Namaste. It's Renee, and welcome to my podcast, Peace, Love, Abundance. And this is a place where I speak about all things yoga and Ayurveda, as well as skin care. I'm a licensed esthetician. I'm a master herbalist, so I believe in getting a lot of our nutrients from Mother Nature, um, herbs, and even what we eat, letting food be thy medicine. That's a quote by Hippocrates. And also with yoga, the physical aspects of everything. And Ayurveda just kind of even encompasses it and ties it all together. Ayurveda truly is such a good science and explains a lot of what I believe in. That's why I'm so drawn to Ayurveda because it wraps all that together. Ayurveda looks at the health of your skin. It looks at the digestion, how you digest your food, so what's going on inside your body. Ayurveda is even about your breath and breathing. Ayurveda, even physical. Ayurveda promotes having physical movement in your body. And all of this is what I'm about, right? As a, as a licensed esthetician and a yoga instructor and an herbalist and, and Ayurveda just brings it all together. And that's where I become a guide for all of this. Now, why do I call myself a guide? Because I firmly believe that you can't tell somebody what to do. You can't tell them when to do it. And you, by all means, can't force feed them, right? That is up to you. And you can't change somebody. You can't change somebody who's not ready to change. So I am not here to force anybody to do anything or tell them what to do and how to do it. But rather, I like to think of myself as a guide. I will guide you through it. At one time in my life when I felt my health declining and dealing with the loss of two brothers and my mother to incurable diseases, at one time in my life I felt very lost. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I stay healthy? I have all these odds against me. My father's even a colon cancer survivor. So I have lots of odds against me, lots of cancer in my family, even liver failure. And at one time I felt very lost. I didn't know who or where to go or what to read or what to study as guidance for me in this path of trying to defy all these odds. Three deaths in my immediate family. Yes, and my mother and two brothers. I'm not just talking distant relatives here. I am talking within my immediate family. At one time... I had to do a lot of soul searching and researching and meeting people to find my path. And so I am here now as a guide to share this knowledge with everybody I can so that hopefully you can find this path quicker than I did and have a guide along the way. Now it's up to you someday if you want to turn around and be a guide to somebody else and share all of this. You don't have to take it on as your 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 job per se is what I do with this knowledge, but you can share the value of yoga and Ayurveda with anybody and everybody. You can promote that they should go take some yoga classes, that they should eat better, right? You can promote the yoga and Ayurveda. We can continue to share this love and this knowledge and guide everybody. In a sense, we are all meant to be a guide in some form or fashion. But the best way to become a guide is knowing that you've been through it yourself. 
So not only do I have training, I've taken several courses and classes and certifications and have a license and everything like that. Not only have I worked through the book work, but I have been living this lifestyle for over 15 years myself, and I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I also know that what works for my body may not work for your body which is another reason why I'm a guide, because what worked for me may not work for you. But as your guide, we can troubleshoot and work through some things. In another past life, I always call it my past life, I was a software test engineer. I used to test software for a living. This testing, though, taught me a lot of troubleshooting on how to break down the variables, realize that, yes, there's a bug in the system, But what is happening to create this bug whenever it happens in the software? Are the steps reproducible? Can I troubleshoot? Can I take something away and still reproduce this bug? Or does the bug go away whenever I take away a step in my plan, right? So same thing with the body. If I continue to eat the same food all the time, do I always get this bug or in this reference, Um, this ailment, or I don't feel good, an upset stomach. So if I keep repeating these steps and getting horrible results, I need to reverse the steps, figure out what is it that I'm eating that's not agreeing with my body, or even what physical activity am I doing that doesn't agree with my body. There are people out there running to be healthy, but yet their knees hurt their hips, their IT bands. So we keep constantly repeating things in life that maybe aren't good for us. All right, now let's move on a little bit with why I have chosen yoga and Ayurveda as kind of my my toolbox to help guide people through this process. So yoga and Ayurveda are the sister science of each other. And when they are practiced together, they are practiced in harmony and helps you find that homeostasis, that balance in life. We truly do need both yoga and Ayurveda. I firmly believe this, and this is why I'm on a mission to share this with everybody. Now, unfortunately, you have to go back several years, several, several years to understand or see that yoga and Ayurveda at one time were practiced together. What we practice nowadays in the yoga studio is called yoga. When most of us are going to a yoga studio and practicing yoga and that Ayurvedic influence or even recognizing Ayurveda got lost a little bit somewhere over the years in translation. But let me tell you something right here, right now. If you're going to a yoga studio or even practicing yoga at home on your own, if you're practicing yoga for the health benefits, meaning you recognize that your digestion is better, you think more clearly, you're less stressed, you overall feel better, you have more flexibility, you're actually practicing Ayurveda. Ayurveda was always the study of or the science of um, doing things for the health benefit. Yoga, traditionally, when you go way back in the texts, yoga was chanting. So basically singing, sitting in meditation, 
and being um, united with your mind, body, and spirit, what's going on around you, finding that full samadhi, that place where you are sitting in peace of mind. That is technically what yoga is. But somehow the word Ayurveda got dropped off and everything just started to get called yoga. But already many of us are already practicing yoga and Ayurveda. It's just the term Ayurveda kind of got left in the dust somewhere. So already, if you are practicing yoga for the health benefits that it gives you, then you are practicing a form of Ayurveda. Two of some of the most popular styles of yoga, Ashtanga and Iyengar. The two guys, Patabi Joyce came out with Ashtanga and BKS Iyengar is Iyengar Yoga. They practiced together under their yoga master is uh, yoga master Krishna Machara. And Krishna Machara practiced yoga and Ayurveda. So somewhere around when Patabi Joyce and Iyengar kind of split off into their own schools, they each had their their reasoning for the style of yoga that they were teaching. Iyengar had a lot of health issues, so he found that by using a lot of props, straps, blocks, and such in his practice helped him work through a lot of his his injuries and his health issues by having the support of props. So that's where Iyengar yoga came out. A little more gentler in the use of props. Patabi Joyce continued on the the vinyasa, the movement, the flow. And that movement and that flow was uh, introduced to help. Back in the day, yoga was actually primarily practiced by men. So Ashtanga yoga with the movement was meant for um, boys and men to work through some of the energy that they felt in their body to get energy flowing and moving because they were high energy and they needed to put that energy somewhere. So then it became vinyasa and practiced. But both Patabi Joyce and Iyengar learned together from Krishnamachara and then split off into what resonated most with them which most yoga instructors, myself included, we usually teach from our own hearts too, and we usually teach what resonates with us. When you're going to yoga anywhere in the world, even on YouTube, whoever you're practicing with, you're getting a taste of what resonates most with them. And it's going to be a sprinkling of Ashtanga and Iyengar and Krishnamachara. So... Though, again, whenever that split happened, though, into Ashtanga and Iyengar, they both believe in the eight limbs. I'm not going to go too deep into the eight limbs. That could be a whole nother podcast of its own. Also, I have a website where I have created several workshops based on a lot of the yoga theories, like the seven chakras, the eight limbs of yoga, Ayurveda is we're speaking about right now, the history of yoga and Ayurveda, and um, yin yoga and some other yummy stuff in there, goal setting and intentions and mantras. Anyway, on my website, I have all these as workshops. And for as low as $10 a month right now, you can sign up to 
for a subscription, a monthly subscription to have access to all these online workshops. So if you want to know about a lot of these terms that I mentioned today, go visit my website and get to know some of these theories and principles better. But for now, sticking with um, my podcast and the subject of yoga and Ayurveda, how they are meant to be practiced together the sister science of the two, and best practiced in harmony. There are several thoughts or reasons out there, maybe why Ayurveda's name got dropped from yoga. One that resonates most with me in my studies is that around the time that the British colonies were were migrating and the British colonies coming in started suppressing any kind of medicine that didn't make sense to them or wasn't of their values. So the British colonies, not 100% understanding even what Ayurveda was by using herbs to heal your body and people having... I don't know, reversing ailments in their body through doing just yoga and taking herbs seemed foreign to them and even kind of witchcraft. That's where you started to hear some of the term witchcraft, that if anybody was making potions or chanting or singing and such, anything outside of, I'm going to say it, the Christian values, anything outside of Christian values started to become witchcraft or that you are trying to play God yourself, and so it wasn't very God-like. I don't like to speak a lot of religion in any of my teachings. I'm just going over a little bit of history here. So, by all means, anything I say is not meant to offend anybody. And I'm trying to be graceful here without getting in too deep. But history is what it is. And so Ayurveda and other what's called alternative medicines these days started to have to go underground and weren't spoke about as much. So what resonates with me and a lot of my history that I have researched is that that's how the Ayurveda side kind of slipped underneath the yoga rug. What the British colonies did like about yoga was kind of the, the gymnastics part of it. So they kind of melded some of the yoga poses with British gymnastics and then brought some of that over here to the U.S. And a lot of what we practice these days in yoga can have some origins to that British gymnastics and melded with yoga and then brought over here and just labeled as yoga. As a matter of fact, in a, in a yoga studio, we actually have to be careful about claims of benefits of, that the yoga postures have, right? With herbs, we've all seen the labeling that with herbs and yoga, like there's no FDA proof that this is going to help you digest or feel better or whatever, right? We all know that we have to be careful what we say about never taking supplements or even doing yoga, that yoga is not a cure, right? We have to be careful with our words, even to today. And then these become alternative medicine rather than being Western medicine that you go to see your doctor for. I believe like everything else, everything else can or everything in life can coexist. We can have Western medicine as well as Eastern medicine. We can have um, 
medicine and alternative medicine, whatever you want to call it, I believe that it can all coexist. And that's what's amazing about all of this and everything that I have learned over the years. Now, being on a mission to bring back the words Ayurveda and giving it its credit that's due. And then also along with that, starting to realize that yoga is more than what we do on the mat. It's more than the gymnastics or the yoga poses. Yoga poses are a big part of yoga. It's one of the eight limbs in the eight limbs of yoga. So again, if you want to learn more about the eight limbs of yoga, I have a great workshop in my member portal on my website. It's not everything. The physical practice, it's only one of the eight limbs. So if you want to say that that yoga and Ayurveda are based on the eight limbs, it's only an eighth, one eighth of what yoga can be all about. Or shall I say more what we perceive yoga to be about or what it's become labeled in our Western society. Then there's there's breathing, meditation, there's the yamas and the niyamas, which are a way of living your life and a way of treating others. There's just so much more to it. So most of yoga and Ayurveda have a huge crossover. Them being sister sciences, obviously, when you think of two sisters in a family, they share a lot of DNA, right? Those two sisters, they might look different But they share a lot of the same DNA, right? Because they come from the same mom and dad. So they share the same DNA. Yoga and Ayurveda share the same DNA. A lot of that eight limbs of yoga is the basis of both yoga and Ayurveda. They both follow those eight limbs. So in Ayurvedic practices, you can see um, yoga poses that are good for your body. You're going to see the breathing and the pranayama and the meditation daily rituals. But what you'll start to see more if you study both is on the Ayurvedic side, it does introduce more of the food and the eating because it's more going to be the stuff that you do off your yoga mat. It's when you're not sitting and chanting in yoga and meditating, you're eating, digesting, and even pooping. It has a lot to do with how you shit Start to get used to the thought that yoga and Ayurveda are the sister science of each other and meant to be practiced together. Also, it's meant to be more than just an hour a day or an hour and a half, however long your yoga class is. Yoga and Ayurveda are meant to be a lifestyle or a daily practice. It's not a diet. It's not a a fad diet or a craze. Ayurveda has been a science that has been around for thousands of years, just like yoga has. And they both encompass listening to your body, doing what's right for your body, the idea that everybody's body is different, and finding the connection between your mind, body, and even spirit. These are the common aspects of yoga and Ayurveda. Now, what kind of separates the two is I have mentioned it a little bit along the lines. Yoga means to unite. And technically, you are uniting the mind, body, and spirit. But you're doing it to find samadhi, that higher power, the samadhi uh, peace of mind. I'm 
trying to explain this as best as I can for those people who who don't sit and meditate. But it's it's finding even your connection with the universe, your higher power, God, whatever you want to say it is. And then Ayurveda is more the science. Ayurveda, Ayur means life. Veda is study. So Ayurveda is the study of life in the study of your life. So every day that self-study of even what I eat, what I think, what I digest, what I learn, how I breathe, how I exercise, all of that. But sometimes we get this block in our head thinking that Ayurveda is a diet. Some people also think that Ayurveda is just eating Indian food or being a vegan or a vegetarian. While there are some aspects of that, because some people do better on a plant-based diet, Ayurveda, believe it or not, does believe in getting some nutrition from animal-based uh, product per se, like bone broth or even having some clean meats. There are times in our lives when our bodies are depleted of certain nutrients and those nutrients are best found through animal protein. Yes, a lot of Ayurveda is also getting your nutrition from fruits and vegetables and honoring each and every life. So if you are going to eat animal protein, you honor that animal and you find a clean source for it and you appreciate that an animal passed away for your body to be able to have that protein, right? So let go of the thought. Basically, what I'm getting at here is to follow Ayurveda, you don't have to be a vegan or a vegetarian. It doesn't have to be a religion either. I firmly believe it doesn't have to be a religion. Like I said, I try and remove religion, separate it from all my guidance, all my teachings. Anybody who has a strong spiritual connection to God, I do not take that away from anybody. Again, I believe that this can all, everything can coexist. And what you believe in is so very important to healing your body and having a healthy body. So I honor in each and every person out there what your belief system is. So whenever it comes to eating and treating your body well and having a mind-body connection with yourself of listening to your own body, when your mind and your body connection are in line, then your spirit connection will be even, I don't know, let's say yummier or better or healthier connection even to your spirit. What you can accomplish through yoga and Ayurveda can help you live a healthier life every day, no matter how young, how old you are. And do know that the way you treat yourself in your youth, so if I have some youngins listening to this podcast, the way you treat yourself in your youth directly sets you up for your health later in your life. The way you treat yourself now directly correlates to how you're going to feel later. And vice versa, if you are listening to this and you are much older, you know, I firmly believe, though, it's never too late to change your ways, start eating healthier. And, you know, my grandfather lived to be 102. So 
If you are in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, just think, even if you're in your 70s, my grandfather lived another 30 years compared to being 70. So honestly, I don't think that it's ever too late to change the way you eat because none of us know exactly how much longer we're going to be on this planet. So even in your 60s or 70s, you don't have to be such a creature of habit that you don't want to change. You can still change the way you eat now. And you can be thought of as young in your 60s and 70s because you could still have another 30 years or more to live just like my grandfather did. So given that nobody knows how much longer we're on this planet for, I believe it's never too late to eat healthier, be more mindful about your body and your movements, and even cultivating your spirit and some peace of mind and your connection to the universe. And all of this comes together in yoga and Ayurveda. As a licensed esthetician, I firmly believe your skin is indicative of what's going on inside your body. The way you move, the way you walk, can bend or stretch or lengthen or your strength is also indicative of what's going on in your body. And then also all of that together can also be indicative of your connection with the universe and your spirit. Are you negative? Are you positive? Do good things come your way? Or are you always the victim? You got to balance all of it, your body, your mind, your spirit. And you can find all this through yoga and Ayurveda. And I hope to have even more podcasts coming down the pipeline to help you all with this. But also, I've mentioned a couple times, I have a whole website with workshops on it. So you can learn some of these theories and concepts. You can start now. As a member, you will always, every, my goal is every couple of months, I put out a new workshop too. So we're constantly building and advancing and moving together as I guide you through your health and yoga, eating right, eating well. We can have all of this and you can have fun too. I have fun in life. Let's do this. Let's do it together if you want. And even if I'm not your guide, I'm okay with that. I am not a pushy, overambitious person. There are several people out there in this world with similar knowledge to what I have. And some of them are even my mentors. Everybody is my mentor. I am always a student before I'm a teacher or a guide. And you can find somebody out there that resonates with you, will help you and walk you through it. And if you are aligning your mind, body, and spirit, you entrust your intuition. And hopefully you find somebody that you can resonate with that cares about you and cares about what's going on. I will admit there's some people out there that are seeing way more dollar signs than they should And they may not have your best interest involved, but you can find some really good people out there as well. You can become a wellness warrior yourself and help spread the word of what I like to call whole body badassery because it's available for all of us. There's a plethora of information out there and you have the capability of learning and passing on and sharing as well. Today, though, this is where I'll leave you in my podcast. Thank you for being here. 
Mahalo, aloha from Maui, and from the peace, love, and abundance in me to the peace, love, and abundance in each of you. Namaste. Namaste.